And we're starting in three, two, one. Hello, my friends. I hope you and your loved ones are doing well. Welcome back to the H Suite. On today's episode, I have the lovely Miss Nova. She's an amazing friend of mine from college. We have not seen each other in a long while, but Nova, how are you doing? I'm doing perfectly well. How are you doing, Hawa? You know what? I'm well. I know we were talking about earlier, like we just both came from napping. And um, <laughs> you know what? I feel refreshed. I feel ready to go. But it's like late in the day. So I'm like, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm feeling refreshed for it. If that uh, I totally sense. agree. Everyone in my in my close circle calls me the nap queen. So mm. definitely it's part of my little my patterns. But again, like you said, we're refreshed. and I'm ready to answer all the questions you have today. That's true. Nap queen. <laughs> what? No, that's such a I'll get you a shirt that says nap queen because they want to come for you. Like, look at your hoodie that says nap queen. <laughs> Cause that's not a bad thing at all. I girl, we should be twinning. Right. Let me get us. Okay, I'm gonna put that on the agenda. Uh, and the thing is, I'm more more than likely to actually do it. Cause I'm the person to be like, I'm gonna customize something for you, and then I'll do it. Ask anyway. Yeah. No, I'm the same way. It's the forte. I'm a really big gift giver. Like I love making sure my gifts are personal and meaningful. That's really cool. So I feel you. All right. Well, fantastic. Thank you for coming on and finding a schedule with like people who work and like are you know contributing to society is very hard (laughs) and so i'm glad that you decided to spend some time with me the pleasure is all mine of course and i guess i'm gonna start with the question that i always start with because i feel like it's a really good reflective question and that is if you were to describe your college experience in one word or phrase how would you describe it it was like catching a flight that keeps getting delayed and then finally getting on that flight and departing wow what an analogy say more about that like what do you mean well the reason why i bring this up is because i feel like in this last you know august i was traveling and it was the first time that i traveled since covid and so it was a very exciting you know experience in general and i was very i was looking forward to it and there was a moment in that experience that whole traveling experience where we had a very hectic catching flight situation and I just remember how like scary it was but the rush of running and making sure you got to that plane it was good and bad it was intense you know but then after all the intensity getting onto that flight making sure you've you're getting to where you need to go especially if it's home that feeling is very very satisfying and despite, you know, being us, our graduating year, being one of those who had to have a more compromised graduation for the sake of COVID, I don't think that feeling of graduating ever changed, though, because we all still felt that relief from being able to graduate. Of course, we would have hoped for a better, you know, ceremony or celebration. But, you know, at the end of the day, I did cherish the fact that we did this. We accomplished the thing that was told we couldn't do or that it was going to be very difficult. It was. It was very difficult. But we got there. And that was beautiful. And it was really, really satisfying. And that's what it feels like getting on a a plane after a really hectic rush. But yeah. I'm a lover of analogies. I speak Mm -hmm. in analogies all the time. (laughs) That one I might have to borrow sometime because that's so true. I mean, even thinking about it, because I've had like rough, I'm thinking even pre-COVID, like Mm -hmm. delayed. There was an airplane that was like just so, oh, they overbooked the airplane. So you have to wait eight hours in the airport for them to find a new plane. And all that little, like all the the hassle and the bassle and people just getting angry and frustrated and everything you're right Mm -hmm. it really does feel like that sometimes in college and you know the thing is that you know from the outsider's perspective especially when you're the one sitting at home and you're the one looking at people traveling it seems very glamorous you're like wow like they're having the best time of their lives whereas there's this reality of being in the airport and crying and being like on your last chance of hope to get to somewhere there's all the stress that comes with it too but you don't really see it until you're experiencing it. And that's also something like college, or at least going to Barnard, where it seemed very beautiful or flawless from the outside. But in the inside, it was it was really hard. And, you know, everyone was working really hard to get to where we were. Yeah. yeah and you're bringing me back to even like when we were, 
I guess high schoolers, third or fourth years in high school, when you'd come to campus and you just do like a vibe check and you see everyone like <laughs> happy and smiling and Diana, you know, walking around. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this is it. This must be where all these marvelous creatures are. <laughs> and then and then you get there. <laughs> then you are a student. And then you realize, yeah. oh, yeah, the facade is kind of real somewhat. Yeah. Like, you know, in the beginning when every, every like event where they were like past Barnard students or even like current Bernard students talking about how everyone's like a sister in this college. I was like, this is this is kind of exaggerated. Is that really true? And then, you know, you actually go into this and you don't realize it, but the struggling and the laughter and the fun and the crying, everything together does end up forging that sister relationship. And I think being first gen and low income and having our own personal community within Barnard was definitely something that made it true, like finding sisters in college. It's very, very true. That's one thing we can't, I know people like to come for the, the office, the OP office, but at the end of the day, <laughs> I forged some of the best friendships out of that experience. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where there's, what is it, where there's rain, there's sunshine, or where there's rain, there's a rainbow or thunder. Or- that makes sense. Whatever, honestly. you know, try to find the golden nuggets. I, I, that's what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> try to find yeah. the golden nuggets. The silver lining, yeah. I mean, everyone has different perspective of college and Barnard wasn't perfect. I think especially being in part of the OP, you know, first gen low income program, it definitely made us see things with a little bit more clarity than others because we actually were from New York City to, you know, kind of grounded for first and foremost. And on top of that, our past experiences just kind of helped us understand the sort of bubble that Barnard can be as well as the reality that Barnard can be. Yeah. And when you say bubble, I'm thinking about even where Columbia University is placed, mm-hmm. placed upon a hill, you know, like you have to go up into it like a, I think I called it an Acropolis of some sort. Because it's mm-hmm. kind of how it reminds me of sometimes like you you're in like one twenty fifth in the the heat of Harlem, and then you just ascend you ascend to Columbia. I think they placed the school very, very particularly because they knew what they were doing with that. I didn't even think about that, but definitely seems like all part of this major institutional like idea. And, you know, it's interesting because it's like they're the this is the institution that kind of gave us the tools to even think about it. And then at the same time, when we think about it, we're also realizing and criticizing the things that go on at the yeah. same time. And I think you're right about that because we're native New Yorkers. We can see things a little bit more because we know what New York looks like outside of Barnard Gates, outside of Columbia mm-hmm. Gates. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, especially if when you have friends who like are newly kind of integrating into New York City, like the lifestyle of New York City, but it's still going to be different, you know, because as children who grew up in immigrant communities or as children who grew up in public schooling, it's definitely a lot more based on your own story. But I had this one conversation with a friend about how New York City is what you make of it and New York City is always changing. So there's really never your New York City, quote unquote. And I was like, that's true, too, because, you know, I feel like I'm constantly discovering new things in New York City all the time. So at that at that way, like, you know, I can't feel I don't feel entitled to New York because I have a past with New York City. It's more like this thing where I can just kind of share what I've experienced in my lifetime of New York City, but it doesn't make it more valid than others. And you know what? Yes, I'm nodding my head because I'm like, exactly. I'm always learning. Like our city is just, there's just different pockets that you can constantly be exploring New York. And I think that sentiment of you don't feel entitled to the entity that is New York because of the fact that your experience was yours can also apply to how college works. You know, people ask you, how was the school? What was it like? I can only tell you what I experienced. And that doesn't mean that you're going to experience the same thing. Right. Like I can't create your experience Mm -hmm. for you or you can't base your experience completely or solely on anyone else's. Mm -hmm. So different for each individual. Just like we all have different names, different creeds, different Mm -hmm. backgrounds. You're going to have a different experience. Shared experience in some regard with people. Obviously, you're going to feel the same in certain parts, but your unique experience will be yours. 
and that's so interesting how you say you don't feel entitled to the New York. We also shouldn't feel it. I mean, as graduates, maybe we should also have that mindset about Barnard. Yeah, you're right. You know, I didn't even think about relating that back to Barnard, but it's true. You know, now looking on Instagram or just any platform where Barnard is kind of still existing after we have left, it feels weird, especially because these last two years with COVID, there was not much going on on campus. And so then you're seeing all this activity or like life again and spirit. And it obviously makes you happy because it means that everyone is surviving and we're thriving and things are getting better. And I want Barnard to thrive too. But at the same time, it's crazy because to what extent can I feel entitled to Barnard? You know, like, and also... I I will always have a Barnard identity, but also do I change with Barnard? Like, you know, it's a it's a very complex topic, I think. Yeah, we really woke up thinking. We said, <laughs> oh, wow, That's what I said. That's what I said. I was like, you know, we woke up from a nap, so it's going to be some deep conversation. Some deep conversations, yeah. Yeah, and that's something that I think listeners can think about themselves in whatever context they're in, whether they're at Barnard or wherever they are. Wow. All right. And the plane analogy kind of led us to this. So <laughs> I guess with that in mind, because you said it yourself, the last, I guess, one and a half, two years was kind of from home, right? Like mm-hmm. that's the reality of how it was. Yeah, I still feel like we had a lot of experience being on campus. So it's just a weird, it's like, it's weird for me because it's like, I know we spent a lot of time on campus, but then if you look at it, it kind of felt like a split to some extent. But Mm -hmm. was it equal parts for you? Do you feel like that split was equal parts? Was one more memorable than the other? I don't know how to even phrase the question, but do you understand what I'm saying? Um, I guess I think what I'm, what I'm thinking of is the fact that, yeah, it did feel pretty equal I think at least in that regard we had two and a half years of getting to be on campus getting that full experience and especially before COVID when things just truly felt normal and then we had two years of being outside of campus and for everybody it was different you know because some people were living closer to Barnard and some were living farther away and it really just depended on how you were taking on the whole, you know, working outside of working from home kind of situation. So I feel like because my family is very, very, I'm the oldest in my family. I was the only child. And up until just 20 years, when I was 20, basically, I was an only child. And then I had a baby sister. And so, you know, during that time when COVID just hit and things were starting to look very uncertain, the idea of going back home seemed very comforting. It seemed like the refuge that we all needed at the time because with COVID scares everywhere and the way that hate crimes were rising and the way that everything was kind of going into chaos, the idea of going back home to your parents, to a baby sister, to a little cute cat, you know, all of it was very, it seemed rewarding. But of course, that changes after some time just like how things change when you live with a roommate after some time and the quarantine the lockdown that also changed the relationship the tensions that can also go on inside of a household so I think overall being in an immigrant family and you know all of us kind of going through something new something so uncertain together at the same time all of it was very impactful the same way the last three years of college was. So yes, equal, but also both parts of college life were so different. Like first part of college was mostly just kind of me learning my boundaries, me understanding how to be responsible being an adult. And then the second part was like reminding myself that I am a resilient woman and that I have to make it through this and that I have to protect my family and like survival instincts really kicked in. So both showed me very important parts of my, my own self. I think a lot of what you were saying was really resonating with me. Just also figuring out my own personality and how adaptable I am in situations, how adaptable I can be and how versatile I can be. Cause you're right. You know, 
once again the golden nugget principle applies like <laughs> amidst the chaos you really really because it's when you're uncomfortable when you really learn right and we were all very very uncomfortable. yeah <laughs> like you can't tell me that march was like the last or whatever the day like march 13 or whatever like you can't tell me that was, oh that was the last time i was gonna see a lot of people that i you know wouldn't yeah. be seeing again in person for a long time like if you told me that like prior i'd be like you're crazy right or like you know this that's never gonna happen yeah like i look back to the photos that i have from back then and like i just see the transition of me being like what covid is real like this is happening to like oh my god i am in lockdown and i'm super bored and please play i message games with me so i yeah the transition of finally oh the dogona coffee trend like that was also a part that i took like you know it's it's actually like kind of crazy to kind of look back because I really haven't discussed this part of the last two years in a while now. And it's crazy because, you know, like as things are kind of shifting towards the fo- like moving forward again, you really have to sit down and think about that time period to really work through it, because otherwise it just seems like this like unicorn pause in in the middle of all of your life you just have this like really unique pause that happens yeah and do you think it's fair to let that be the case to let what we experienced for those two years year and a half whatever amount of time you want to count it as let that just be a unicorn or because i know some people want to disassociate they don't want to think about it as something that's like i guess a part of their life journey but mm-hmm. I find myself saying, I can't do that. You can't just delete control. I'll delete two years of your life. Right. <laughs> so what are your, what is your take on that? And I mean, guess, and also it depends on, you know, how you think about it. Some people will have yeah. to disassociate and others will have to process, but what, what is, what is your take on it? I think I'm going to be processing these last two years of my life periodically throughout the rest of my life. And I'm not struggling. I'm not pressuring myself to like, really think about it at like any point but it's almost one of those things that if it does come up in a conversation there's always going to be something to talk about because collectively we all we all went through something and so it's always a nice conversation starter to begin with you know and I personally think that in terms of wanting to delete it I don't know to what extent you can really delete any part of your life I think that the best thing that I mean anyone can really do is just process it. So whether that's internally processing it or externally processing it in other ways, like during the pandemic, one way that I was I started to process things was through art, you know, like I started writing more and I started to paint more and creative outlets like that felt very fulfilling. So, you know, it shows you different parts of you, things that you'd be willing to try, things that would help you connect with your inner self like there's just so many aspects to the pandemic that we can really get into and again like I think oral stories of the pandemic are going to be one of the best parts of our our generation like just hearing through what everyone else went through because I think that it's like if you were close to somebody then you would know exactly what went on in their in their life but otherwise, you might really not know anything about what happened with them during the pandemic because everyone was isolated. I'm sure over the years, people will get more and more open to sharing as they continue to process their feelings. And, you know, I think by the time we're like 50, we'll have so many stories of what happened during the pandemic. And I think it'll make sense, but we don't need to force it. It's one of those things that whoever's willing to kind of talk about it, they're talking and then those who haven't, one day they will come out with a great story. Mm. And we love <laughs> great stories. And no, you're right. I mean, storytelling is why I do this, right? Yeah. Why I like to document where people are coming from, what their individual take is on. Because, you know, there are stories out there that exist. I like to hear the day-to-day lives of people who are around me all the time because we hear you know we get the hollywood scoop on what Mm -hmm. these stars are doing i I know what influencers are doing but (laughs) majority of us aren't those people so what are we doing right and how are we feeling what are we going through i think that's just fascinating yeah i agree you know actually like the last two years of college as much as things were very very challenging i also 
chose to take classes that I thought would provide me with some sort of insight into the next portion of my life. I didn't want to, you know, end college just saying like, yeah, I've only been taking classes that are relevant to my major. And I mean, you know, the classes I took relevant to my major were all very interesting, but I'm not, I wanted to try other things. Like this is a liberal arts college for a reason. And so much is available here. Why wouldn't I take a few different classes that might teach me something before I graduate? And so one of the classes that I took was actually this like COVID-19 oral storytelling class. And it was the first time I've ever really learned about oral storytelling. So it helped me kind of learn some of the etiquette that kind of go with oral storytelling and also, you know, interviewing in general, what that's like. And I think I majored as a medical anthropology major. And since ethnography, which is, you know, really kind of sitting down with any kind of community or people subject and kind of getting to learn about them from an extended period of time, that really didn't happen for me because of COVID. But then through this oral storytelling class, I was able to learn so much about the ways that care work is framed within a hospital or in healthcare, and especially during COVID, what it meant to be a care worker and talking to care workers. And, you know, in general, that class helped me learn about the fact that, you know, as immigrant children, we've always been used to being around, you know, oral storytelling. Like, that's just sort of the norm. And learning it through an academic perspective was very interesting because. I guess this is how they do it in the proper setting. But especially for women of color, I think storytelling is such an impactful way of learning about any part of our history. So I took the skills from that class and then I started to learn about Bangladeshi history and Bangladesh war. And, you know, I started reading books about ethnography and women talking about the violence that they experienced throughout that time and together I felt super fulfilled with the last two years of college even though it was hard I was struggling I was really under deep under because I had to make up for credits that I couldn't fulfill by sophomore year and so junior and senior year were really about kind of making sure I could graduate on time and in the flux of, you know, just making sure that I got my credits and I was going to graduate, I didn't want to lose out on fulfilling experiences. And so I ended up having a lot of experience, a lot of personal stories that I learned from these classes. And then overall, like, I felt what it's like to be under a lot of pressure and also constantly feeling uncertain because of COVID. So, you know, yeah. No, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, I don't actually don't know what I was saying with that. Like, I, I really... I hear, you know, I, like, you started off kind of talking about, well, one, making use of your liberal arts education and taking classes mm-hmm. that, you know, you really... Because I, I found myself doing the same exact thing. My fourth year, I was like, I'm taking a creative writing class. I'm taking this. Mm-hmm. I'm taking another dance class. I'm taking two dance classes. Because I was like, mm-hmm. why not? And I was very fortunate enough to be able to do that. I didn't have to worry about like exactly the grades and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I, I hear you on that. And then you kind of went into where did that take you in terms of learning about oral histories? And I wanted to ask you like, well, this is an oral stories telling kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So like, if any tidbits you have about what are things that you learned, I guess, or tidbits that you got from that class that you can impart onto me and this show. I am yeah. glad, glad to take it on. And then that kind of went into you. I'm like just reiterating everything she just said. <laughs> she was like, I don't know how. I'm like, no, your your flow made sense, honey. I understood it. I think the audience understood it. So yeah, I was I was a little nervous about where that was going, but um, yeah. Speaking of oral oral storytelling, so some of the etiquette that class taught me was giving you know, giving your audience the chance to kind of speak and not really imposing on them as they're talking. So that way they don't feel like you're guiding their conversation. Because at the end of the day, you want to make sure that they feel like they're being heard. And so a lot of the conversation will be them talking and not you. And I was very like sad about that because, you know, for me, I I think of oral storytelling, at least the ones where it's like, 
you know, with my grandmother or family members who want to just kind of tell you a little bit about their lives. I think of that as like an active conversation. You know, I think of it as, okay, you're telling me something really vulnerable or important about your life. And I want to ask questions to engage with you. And I want to know what's going on with you. And I guess that's because I'm just a more like, I think of myself as an active speaker. So I tend to do that a lot. And sometimes it could be a little hard. And I I think oral storytelling, this class helped me learn to kind of pace myself with the questions or like, not impose as much as I normally do in in a conversation. I'm sure my the person I'm speaking to isn't feeling like, oh my God, she's imposing me. But it's more so that the flow of the story can be better as opposed to thinking about the interaction part of it. Yeah. Now I'm thinking of my own self. I'm like, I wonder what this podcast I think like, you're doing do- a great job. Thanks. I'm, I think we're very similar in that. Like, I think I'm in, I talk too much. You, you put it really nicely. You said you're an active speaker or active. <laughs> I'm like, all right, that's how I'm going to say. It. I'm going to be an active participant in conversation. So I can't like control uh, where, <laughs> how much energy I exude when I'm like, because people's lives are just so fascinating to me. So it's like, of course, I'm going to want to bounce off. Of course, I'm going to want to continue to ask questions that like interest me about what they're saying. Yeah. But you're right. There is a balance you strike in letting people just finish the thought because you don't mm-hmm. know where that thought was going to take them before you kind of like interjected. I'm still learning how to do that. As I've done the podcast these past, what, two years now? Oh my God, crazy. Mm-hmm. I've learned more and more what that, ba- and also it depends on the person. Like some people yeah. need more prompting and some people you can just let them kind of give them one question and they kind of flow with it and it's easy to go from there. Yeah. Conversations and art. I don't know how many times <laughs> I'm going to say this to people, but it's an art. It's a true art. And I'm glad you took that class because that's such a. I wish I had taken that class now. Yeah, it was it was an awesome class, and I personally really liked you know the professor who taught that class. I took a class with her previous to it, and so in general, I was really happy. Really, really good, really interesting, and hopefully a tidbit that the listeners can like learn from too, like conversations are hard and you have to learn how to balance them if you want to be a good speaker a good conversationalist someone who's able to interview people and all that applies to what you said which is like more on the I guess care worker side of things Mm -hmm. you majored in medical anthropology so like Mm -hmm. how did that play into it and is that something you're doing now is that where you are yeah so let me walk you down my process of even learning to major about this because you know medical anthropology is not very common it's not a well-known major as well as it was a pretty new major in Barnard itself so when I got into college I was thinking of pursuing psychology something like behavioral psychology I think you know the best in me the the therapist in me or like everyone likes to call me I I like being a good listener I like you know hearing out my friends and family anyone who really is going through anything and that made me think, you know, this was my strong suit and I wanted to pursue that. And that's what I was thinking of. But then as I was kind of getting into the second year of college, I started to realize, you know, to what extent do I want to work listening to people's problems on the daily? I know I'll be paid for it, but is that something that I can do given that, you know, I have my own mental health problems and I have family members who I already have to listen to. So am I really willing to do this as a life profession? And so that made me think about it a little bit more. And I was like, you know what, maybe not. But I still wanted to learn about medicine. I still want to learn about healthcare. I think I really, you know, my family, I have a grandmother who I have to care about a lot. My my mother, she's a big caretaker of the family. And, you know, overall, I feel like caretaking has sort of been an inherent trait overall that I've seen around me all the time so I think for that reason I knew that I wanted to be somewhere with like helping people and I wasn't sure how to really put that into major into a major and so once I found out about medical anthropology I really liked that combination because it's sort of like psychology sociology anthropology and sort of thinking about the history of medical institutions thinking about the the sociology behind how patient-doctor interactions work, how 
you know, what are the history of medicine? How did people come to react to pandemic? Things like that. All of these things were very interesting to me that I, I think I benefited a lot from learning. This was all before the pandemic. So I was like, wow, like, you know, this is all working out for me now that I'm seeing it happen in real life. That's why like the COVID related classes during COVID time, when I was taking them, I think it was very helpful because it helped me understand that we are the first of like, you know, there was this like post 9-11 era and it's like, obviously we were all like two years old. So we didn't realize what the impacts of 9-11 were. So we just hear the stories about what happened during that time. But I think with this COVID pandemic, it's like we are the first people to really get a story from this, an experience from this. And so now we are the frontliners when it comes to knowing what happened during this time period. So it was very interesting that in these classes, they were kind of teaching me what it's like to preserve history or what it's like to preserve the current moment that's happening. And all in all, I, I did my major, uh, my thesis, my senior thesis on COVID-19 and pregnancy. So I worked with a lot of medical professionals within the birthing space, OBGYNs, uh, registered nurses, midwives. And at that point, I was thinking, maybe I want to be a midwife after college. Like, that seems like a really cool life, you know, and obviously, like, I'm really, I love babies. I've always had a natural affinity with babies. And so I thought of it as something potential for my future. But then I've always had this little voice in the back of my head who's always told me, Nova, you would be such a great person in law. You talk so much. You always have a point to make. And, you know, maybe try law. And so while I was looking for jobs after college, you know, my most the most important things that I wanted for my major to be transferred is the idea that I care about medicine, medical institutions, healthcare, care work, and that I need to transfer to a way that I can see myself helping people. That's the most important thing that I was thinking of. And so as I'm applying, I tried applying to all these kinds of fields. Like I tried applying to legal fields. I tried applying to medical fields. And, you know, in general, I was pretty open-minded to wherever things, you know, my first job was going to take me because at this point in time, I, I feel like a sponge. I, I want to still absorb. I'm not ready to commit to anything yet. And, you know, that's kind of hard when you're surrounded by students in college who like know exactly what they want to do and have their path figured out from really early. And it's hard when you also have immigrant parents who want you to start taking care of them. But again, I wanted to give myself a break. And that's when I went traveling. And that's when the whole airplane (laughs) analogy happened. And then after that break, that very much needed break, I came back and I started working at this law firm about, and here I I do a lot of work with medical cases, so medical injuries cases. And so basically a lot of the clients who I work with are often seniors or older people. And I, I, I talk to them, I listen to them to see what kind of symptoms they've been experiencing and see if they qualify for a lawsuit. And once they do, you know, kind of move them through the process of how we can help them as the firm. And this made me realize something about law that's always been kind of like scary to me is that it seems like it's going to be a lot of pressure. It's going to be a lot of really scary people. And I'm really not meant for those kinds of environments. I feel like I'm very soft hearted and I Yes, I like to fight. I like to be right. I like to be vocal. But I think when people are not nice or people are not welcoming, I get very scared. And, you know, some part of that was clear to me in college. But again, you know, I want to work in a place where I feel passionate, where I feel like I'm helping, making a difference. And I started to realize, you know, like these are people who, the people I was working with, these are people who trusted their doctors, who trusted that this medicine or this machine, these things that are supposed to help their health, backlash on them and cause them harm. And I felt more passionate helping them. I was like, yes, you should be you know, able to get financial compensation because this company did this to you. 
and so I started to realize like you know this is this is the T like this is where mm, I want to be this is the trajectory this is yeah because I I didn't realize it as much as like and, you know and as everybody in this like career building place will tell you the best way to really know what you want to do is kind of going into the field itself and getting experience so for me right now I think that after this experience it's kind of made it clear to me that while I have been kind of you know trying and trial and erroring between all of these different topics and because I'm a passionate person and I wouldn't say that I'm just passionate about one thing I think of myself as somebody who cares about a lot of different things so for me, it's very hard to commit to one thing, but I've like this experience with this first job has given me enough certainty to know that like this is who I want to fight for. If I were to work in law, I want to be fighting for people who deserve this type of you know compensation, this justice. I am happy with so far like with the way things have been going since college, but you know, there's always going to be really hard days there's always going to be emotional breakdowns and those are just I don't want anyone to think that those don't happen you know those are constantly happening as you're trying to fight for your own success for the story that you're going to be proud of for yourself yeah Yeah. wow that's very very cool I love how you initially thought you know going into the medical field or like being in it directly I guess is kind of mm-hmm. like because that's everyone's line of thinking like I want to help people help them with their health obviously or help birth a human into the world which is mm-hmm. an ordeal in and of itself and then you're like but this little voice in my head said law and let me see where that's taking me because you're not a law you're not I don't think you were on the pre-law track at all right yeah no medical anthropology again is a very like ambiguous field because I was taking civil rights and civil liberties with Paula Francesi and she's like an amazing well-known law professor as well and she's very recognized and I didn't know about that until like after being in her class and that's also a privilege that we had being in Colombia and just kind of finding out that professors that are teaching you are like really amazing people but yeah, you know, um, I dabbled in it from time to time in this course of college because, you know, that little voice was there. It was yeah, there it all was throughout. There. I, I just wanted to see what it was like. And, you know, every time I took classes relating to it, I was like, oh, this is cool. But again, I have to focus on like medical institutions and what does that mean? What is the history of medical institutions? But I think, you know, overall, like learning about the history of medical institutions, how healthcare sort of became commercialized things like that really helped me understand that you know healthcare isn't just this caretaking beautiful world where people are swearing that they're doing the best thing for their patients it's not you know people make it seem like you know laws there's a lot of like bad things going on in law there's a lot of corruption in in business and finance there's a lot of corruption everywhere they make it seem like the narrative with medical health or medical care is like this one where everyone's thinking of the best interest. And it's very easy to see that narrative through. But, you know, if you take a step back and you start to think about histories and how like, you know, so many different instances have happened within our institution of Columbia, we can see a lot of problems with reproductive health with racial health you know like so many things and who's better at pointing that out than somebody in the law field and so that's <laughs> that's how I got here so far hopefully wish me luck as I start to think about law school yeah no oh my girl there's a lot of writing and reading that's that I think people undermine how much writing and reading you do but that's what um, law school is all about yeah I've been majoring in anthropology meant reading right. a lot of books and writing a lot of essays yeah the economics person to me is like give me a problem set i'll just do the numbers <laughs> so i'm like running right, away yeah. from that, which is oh very interesting no yeah i think and also when you said anthropology because when you're saying you're right now at least what your current role is entails mm-hmm. talking to people and asking them good questions yeah. and that's like anthropology kind of birthed ethnographic research into the world yeah so that's kind of where i was like finding the two and two like this isn't like completely left field for you to be doing to be honest it makes sense and it makes sense with a lot of what you were saying your interest your interest in talking to people understanding where they're coming from but also like trying to help them you couldn't be in a better place right at least in your the beginning of your career 
I feel pretty blessed. I feel like this job has been the perfect combination of everything without it being too super like overwhelming or taking too much of my time. Like, you know, I get to have my 9.30 to 5.30 schedule. It's very consistent. I don't have to like work overtime. So I think overall, it, it gives me enough happiness that I'm able to work with this kind of audience. And then at the same time, I also get my time at home and you know with my family and friends with your sister that you want to make sure she knows who you are yeah i'm actually my mom's birthday is on monday actually and Ooh, so happy almost birthday thank you and so you know for that reason i like you know again since her birthday is on monday we're going to celebrate tomorrow it's, i'm i'm really excited because you know this is the most i can probably do because monday will be busy again and I just want her to feel like appreciated because I think mothers are the most underappreciated during this pandemic. They really carry the backbone of of all in households. Every household, mothers were really just kind of doing so much. And especially mothers who have babies, they they were going through it, yeah. I'm sure mothers aunties grandmas whoever that caretaker or you know what let's not undermine the men either but we know the bulk of it yeah, <laughs> was yeah. the, was our party all right we're not trying to undermine anyone which is yeah, pointing yeah, out some yeah, facts of course, of course of no course. and no and you're right because i'm looking at my mom i'm like i don't know how she's able to do if i could even have the a quarter of her ability i'd be set for life like in terms of how much she can juggle how much she can handle how much care how yeah. much input detail oriented she's just i'm just like i just need a quarter of your talent a quarter just a quarter and i'll be Honestly, set for life i feel so bad especially because like you know if, as things started to get calm with with the pandemic i was able to start like leaving the house and you know at least going to see my friends or just kind of getting a drive-in and driving was also a really big new therapy that i started to use during the pandemic i realized driving is a really amazing thing and New Yorkers are missing out because they don't know how to drive. I tell all my friends, I'm like, when are you going to get a driver's license? Because I know in their heads, they're thinking like, oh, driving in New York City is super scary. But then it's like, if you think about it, if you know how to drive in New York City, you can drive anywhere else. You will never have to worry about it. And so um, driving was a huge therapy for me where I kind of felt like anytime I would feel anxious, I got to just take a little drive and I started to realize like my mom doesn't really get that option you know she can't just be like I need a break I need a refresher I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave this household for a minute because you know there's always a constant need for her and especially I think the pandemic really sunk them into that position so again I need to appreciate my mother more I think I need I think we all need to appreciate our mummies more and tomorrow it's gonna be her day no, tell her I say. I mean, she doesn't know who I am, but tell her I support <laughs> her. I appreciate her from just like the general being a mother. I just can't. I respect it. I respect. Yeah. That no, and and that's really really sweet of you to like to take that time to just be like, yeah, today's your day, and we're gonna make sure that you know it's your day, kind of thing. I yeah, you, like, I think I need a, to learn that. No, no, I taking your advice that. from that book is a good one, and, and that that applies to anyone in our lives. Like, if anything, these past two years or so have taught me appreciate and love and cherish every single moment you get to spend with your loved ones why do you think i always say like you know spread positive vibes and make sure you're taking care of those around you it's because they're around you for now but they're not going to be around you forever so when you look back at it it's yeah like, right, if you didn't take moment if you didn't take that time to like really plan that out if you didn't make that that move to let them know that you appreciate them then how are they supposed to know when you're not there or when they're not there anymore that that happened or that that was a feeling that was mutual yeah, I mean, I think one thing that the pandemic also did is accelerate a lot of our growth, or at least our growth mentality. Um, we all took some time. I know I started to, I started to journal, started to, you know, write down all of these things because back in middle school I had a journal. It's a very funny story because I actually, when I was moving, I found my middle school journal, and the way I was able to make sure I, I have a whole archive of my life in middle school and it's amazing you know like I have these little notes that I used to pass with my classmates back then and like all the stories oh. of like what's going hot what's happening back then and it's like beautiful because I love that I have this like 
you know, capsule from the past. And I wanted to start doing that again, because I think if anything, your 20s are really when things get crazy. And it's been crazy since I've been 20. So I really do want to make sure that I'm keeping record of this stuff. And that's why, you know, I think what you're doing is so amazing. Having this page on Barnard's website as like for all of us, for first gen students, just knowing your name is up there, like all of it is just so special. And I'm super proud of you. And, you know, I'm super proud of us, all of us. Thanks. I appreciate that because that's exactly why I did what I did with the, um, I think for those who don't know what she's talking about, she's referring to the first generation low-income student archives that I donated to Barnard that's now up. If you haven't checked it out, just Google my name <laughs> and Barnard archives and then it pops up. Yeah. And it happened. Everything that I did there, when you said that you were doubling into creative side and art yeah. and painting, that's what I did with my creative side. I don't know how, I don't know what to describe it. I just wanted to talk to people. I wanted to reconnect. I wanted to connect people with people again. And mm-hmm. I was like, how do you do that? How do I do that? And then that all was birthed during the pandemic. So, Hey, Great things are possible when you have the time to think about what actually interests you. Yeah. I think you're right. And journaling is one of those things. And this is a this is a journaling in and of itself is an oral yeah, journal. Mm-hmm. But it's my journal. That that's how I've thought about it. I was like, if I'm my only yeah. listener, if and that's why I'm okay with everything. Cause I'm like, if I'm the only person who hears this, that's fine. Because this is for us, right? This is for me and you to like come back to in a few years and be like, oh shoot, this is what we were thinking about. This is what we were talking about. This is how yeah. we felt about this. It's just yeah. fascinating to do that. So I, yeah, I highly recommend what you said, which is find a way to document your lives, guys, because it's not that you don't want to forget things. It's just you, the things you actually want to remember, you want to be able to remember, right? Because your yeah. 20s is crazy, but I'm sure your 30s are also crazy so, as your 40s are and so on and so forth. You always should find a way to record your life because if you're not you're romanticizing your own life then who's going to you know your your life is a movie for yourself your life is a movie when your life is a movie that sucks because you're like wow like I have so many things that are going on and I feel like God hates me but then at the same time you know you are a main character so eventually you'll get your golden nugget (laughs) right exactly oh hopefully the people don't think God hates them I think our lives are trial and error for a reason sometimes it can get really hard and I mean I've had that experience where I felt like you know my god like what is going on why do I feel like I'm getting all this mishappenings Mm -hmm. yeah but then you know at the same time you realize we are first gen and we are breaking a lot of generational problems and at the same time we're, we're succeeding for our own selves and there's a lot that we're doing. We have to appreciate that. And I think the best way to appreciate that is having a support system. And I struggled with having a support system all my life. But I think being in Barnard and sharing this overall value for sisterhood, it just made me more appreciative of the people who really do stick by me. Yeah. Every episode has like a common theme. This one seems to be appreciate what you have appreciate who you have and appreciate what you've gone through i don't know what mm-hmm. i would title it though but we'll find out <laughs> but that seems to be the common thread and i think it's a good message to send out to people be gratitude general gratitude in a world where everything is just like taken for granted yeah a little bit of gratitude goes a long way i think in new york city that's especially hard when you're in a very hustle mindset and you're constantly looking for the next best thing to do or the next best thing to put onto your resume or your accomplishments and it's always great obviously like you know if you're accomplishing things you want to put that up there you want to you want to make sure that it's celebrated and recognized but I think if you're constantly pushing yourself to the next thing and the next thing it's really easy to forget what you're doing in the current moment or how the things that are around you in the present is important and I think the pandemic with slowing down it it did make me appreciate the people or the the factors that really helped me get through it mm-hmm. and I don't want to forget that just because now we're going back to uh, a lifestyle of like constantly hustling again the grind never stops mm-hmm. yeah, and then you don't want to get lost in the sauce right <laughs> don't get lost in the, that's what I'm gonna call it yeah don't get lost in the sauce because it's yeah. true it is very true and New York mm-hmm. is I don't I mean I can't speak to other states other parts of the world but New York 
breeds you know columbia was just like a microcosm of what new york is which is like constantly go 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 constantly hustle 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 if you're not doing 10 things at the same time then you're not using your time wisely it was just a result of being in a city that thrives off of people constantly moving and never sleeping a city that never sleeps is not necessarily a good thing in my opinion yeah and that's again like you know a reality that i think students who are originally from new york city saw from beforehand because we've been here and that tendency has yeah gotten us to good places in life but it's not it doesn't mean that it has to be the best way to get there and you know I mean again my friends from college are really the ones that I think I cherish the most because you know being first gen and going through everything that I have gone through throughout college I don't think I would have made it out of college graduating successfully in the four years that I was supposed to if I didn't have the support and the push in those right moments. And I think those right moments only happened because Barnard, you know, knows how to foster caring individuals. And those caring individuals will check up on you when you when you need them the most. And I think that's the best thing that I probably benefited from in college. Like my, my heart is softening because I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely right. It did foster, well, firstly, my best friends came from Barnard, right? Like mm-hmm. people I know are going to be in my lives for the rest of my life. And that's hard to come by, um, <laughs> to be honest with you. Like outside yeah. of college, it's so much harder to like come by people like that, like-minded and who are willing to see you thrive just as much as you're seeing, willing to see them thrive. And that support system, as you said, like being open. I'm glad that you were eventually able to open up to having that because that's something that everyone needs. You you can't, you know, when they say it takes a village to raise a child, I mm-hmm. think it takes a village to even raise your dreams or like to like get to where you need to go. You need that cushion. You need those people who are going to be on the sidelines, even if it's just morally to stand by you. Like you don't know how much you need it until you have it. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. And I think being super isolated during the pandemic really highlighted those people in your lives because you know I had friends who were like on the other side of the planet and we were still making time to play FaceTime or talk a little bit and catch up just because that is necessary and you know especially now that we are at a lockdown it doesn't mean the pandemic is over but at least we've come to cherish the people who who mattered the most during that time and we can still cherish them even as we kind of go back into a hustling mindset. Yeah, and I guess I want to ask, like, to round us out, what are your tidbits or advice as we're moving towards, you said, hustling, bustling, as we go back to, or not back to, as we move forward into this new normal? I don't think we're ever going to get back to where we were before. It's more so we just have to go forward. There's no going back now, you know, like... Never going back now. Harry Styles said it in the song. It's true. <laughs> We're never going back now, so we can only move forward. What are some advice, things that you yourself are thinking about that you need to remember moving forward? Yeah, I think, you know, as we're hustling and bustling and just honestly just getting older, it's going to get harder. And like even us just trying to schedule this time to speak to each other was hard. So, I mean, the biggest tip that I can, honestly, I give this all the time. It's not even just like the first time I'm giving this advice. It's the advice that I give all the time. I am a broken record about it. It's that communicate and don't mistake communication as confrontation. You know, as we're growing older, we're going to need to have conversations with friends, important people in our lives that might seem direct, might seem very honest. and that might hurt some people because it's scary but again you have to think that these are people who love you and you have to think about the context in this conversation and I think that as we're going growing older it's going to be hard to remember those contexts the contextual part of conversations and I think if you're able to learn how to communicate then those issues you're you would be better at um, relieving them and I think that as we get less time for our friends or less time for anything other than the life that you're choosing for yourself, making sure that you're communicating with other people, even if, you know, they're not the most important 
topic like priority in your life at the time make sure you can give them a message or reply to that email just make sure that you're still reaching out that you're not just losing touch because you're super lost in the sauce don't get lost in the sauce (laughs) (laughs) no that's a good one and i agree completely because you're right we're no longer in that setting i think i'm thinking of school in general not just college like school is one of the few places that you're like you're kind of forced to be and not like a bad force it's just by design that you're always with mm-hmm. these people constantly like you guys yeah. go to classes together you go to lunch together or you might even go to the bathroom together like mm-hmm. i've seen it all <laughs> and when you <laughs> definitely the bathrooms oh my god you remember those days mm-hmm. <laughs> i yeah. remember high school going like you go to the bathroom all right i'll go with you like, i don't know why we did that yeah. but we did and it wasn't odd it was just it was just what it was so you're with these people 24 7 let's be real and then but then when you leave that space like when you're mm-hmm. leaving that like by design kind of thing and everyone's mm-hmm. doing their own thing because everyone has their own interest right whether it be your yeah. job whether it be you traveling whether it be you creating a family of your own whatever it is you're doing in your life yeah you have to make find a way to make sure you find time for those same people <laughs> because you guys aren't being forced to be together again exactly and the second advice that i could give is just respecting other people's time you know, mm. because just because somebody else is doing something else doesn't mean that you're not important to them. It just means that, you know, there's something that they have to do for themselves. And just like how we can celebrate and be excited for somebody when they achieve something new or just do something great, we also need to also respect when they just need time to themselves or they're not able to commit to something. It's just like we just have to be more understanding and respect that. When other people need space, that's for a good reason. It's not for a bad reason. We're all adults now. We're all adults. Yeah, we're adult squared. That's why, because <laughs> we were technically adults in college, but now we're adult squared, which is oh, a different yeah. type of adult, I guess. Are you sure we're adult squared? Because I don't want to be adult squared just yet. <laughs> uh, I'm not. Sure I'm perfectly fine being in limbo between adult and adult squared. You know what? That we are we are in that limbo. I think we're gonna be in that limbo for a good a good year and a half. I'm gonna give us that. I hope so. I think so because it's we're still there's just so much we don't there's so much we need to learn. I'm I'm thinking of myself. I'm thinking of like also I love yeah. how we're both like this is what happened, like for those who don't get the visual we're both like just chilling on our beds like chatting <laughs> forgetting that we're on the podcast. You know what? The A <laughs> suite we foster this chill environment where you could just be on your bed laying down and chatting. Like that's yeah. really what it is. That's the aesthetic I'm going for at this point. I'd love honestly, like if this was real life, even better. We could right? just chill and talk. Chill and chat. Have a little yeah. Some like tea. Everything. I love tea. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, some tea to share the tea. <laughs> some tea to share the tea. Lord. Girl. But no, let me I'm looking at time, but and I'm looking at my editing. I'm just like, I oh, gotta gotta cap it. Up yeah, somewhere. I mean, yeah. The in, when I was doing those oral storytelling mm. and I had to do the cutting and transcription, girl. girl this know. is I know this is your passion because this is hard. This is hard stuff. Hello for the people in the back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fantastic, and I love it. You're right. I do love doing this, and I hope I can continue doing this with people like you because you guys, you guys just. The people I met at college, you guys are just so fascinating to me. You guys have, you know, you guys say, oh, you're doing this, you're doing this. And I'm just like, I can only do it because I see half of the things that you people do. And it's so inspiring because everyone's doing something completely different. But so it's like everything they're doing is so them. It's just, yeah, I'm just fascinated. Yeah, no, honestly, another thing, like, you know, there's people out there who like, don't feel as proud or happy and they can they can be very jealous of like everything that you do but I think with at least like the friends that I made in college like we're truly just very happy for each other because at the end of the day like if my friends are successful that means that I am also successful because these are reflections of all of us you know they love me just as much as I love them I don't have any like there no one should ever feel intimidated or threatened if you know you have a friend who's doing really amazing because it just means that you are friends with an amazing person and I think that's really hard especially in a lot of female friendships when you know you have a little bit of insecurities and things like that yeah we need to work on that I'm gonna (laughs) gonna have to do a separate episode about that too (laughs) 
like sisterhood is real how do you how do you foster it how do you go about it it could be a whole mini series at this point thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me it's been lovely catching up it with you it was really really lovely yeah and thank you to everyone who has been listening i love when people listen to it all throughout the end i hear your support i see the messages i'm very appreciative cannot show my gratitude any more than i have already if you have any questions comments concerns you yourself want to be a guest on the show email me eight sweet chats at gmail.com or dm me on instagram at eight sweet chats thank you so much once again spread positive vibes or attempt to attempt it because it's not always easy to do that take care of those around you your loved ones etc etc and i'll talk to y'all soon peace